0: Hour two, it's Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner, the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson is here. Live and in person. Call us 537-1350 if you want to ask Wyatt a question about the Cats, men's basketball, football, TCU, whatever. Travion Berklin is with us. Running the ones and twos across the glass. Coming up at the end of the show, I'm going to ask another uh, Meet the Wildcats question to Wyatt Thompson. Look at week seven. In the Big 12, it's not just K State and TCU on Saturday. Uh, where the men's basketball team of K State landed in the preseason poll of the Big 12, we do have Women's Basketball Media Day tomorrow at the T Mobile Center, and the Men's Basketball Media Day is the next day. I can't make the Women's Basketball um, Media Day because we have Coach Klein press conference, and I get a lot of audio for uh, Power Cat Game Day from that. So. Sure. Uh, but I'll be there for the men's basketball uh, media day, which a lot of the interviews that I gather will be played on the game Wednesday afternoon. Won't be live because it'll be wrapped up by then. They'll be kicking us out. And <laughs> I, I, I told, uh, well, basically every just about every guest we had on last week, I was like, you know what, I've never, be- I've never ever been to a Big 12 media day. Basketball, football, whatever. I've never been to one. Really? And so uh, I was trying to get some advice because I just signed up for a table. I was like, you know what? They asked him, Am I doing live radio? Yes. It's not gonna be live, but I can pretend it is. <laughs> and so I was like, if that's the way to get a table. Sure. That's uh now I I think they put the they put those tables like in the tunnel and they just bring people around. I don't I'm not sure how it works. Like how do I get interviews with certain people?
1: Yeah, I think you you'll probably have to work with some of the media relations people on that. I, I know as an example, at the football one, which I'm much more familiar with because I get to go to all of those, um, there's a, a media seating area, um, and <laughs> it's kind of almost equated to, on a smaller scale, media row at the Super Bowl. It's just table after table after table okay. on both sides where they just kind of hop those guys around, uh, the coaches, I mean, and and actually the players in the afternoon, too, so it, it's, it's really pretty cool basketball is somewhat similar there's a few differences i'm not sure well where, they, where they'll put that will put you tomorrow uh at t-mobile i don't I have no know idea. that for sure
0: yeah but i know uh, i mean i want to i want to talk to naquan tomlin i want to yeah. talk to uh, uh of course marquise noel who will be there and yeah. i believe uh keontae johnson is the other one correct and of yeah. course coach tang yeah um coach
1: tang will lead it off on wednesday morning
0: for right. the coaches
1: With the little ten-minute presser.
0: Now, if I recall, like if you ask the media, like when the coaches are just doing their one big press conference with everybody that can, you know, ask a question, it's only for like what ten minutes or so. Uh That's kind of the snoozer. It's the one-on-one stuff. That's that's where it gets good.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, You know what? Let's not call Coach Tang's ten-minute presser a snoozer quite yet, Uh, because if there's anybody that could put on a good press conference for ten minutes, sure. It's Jerome Tang. I think we've
1: already seen that. And there are a couple of other guys that are certainly capable of that in the Big 12 too. There are, you know, some interesting personalities in our league and I I'm very anxious to see how this plays out. Um, you know, the the league is going to be very 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 strong. We we all know that. Lots of talented coaches and players and we're not that far away now, buddy. K-State's going to have an exhibition game in like 2 weeks. 2 That's weeks right. from tomorrow, yeah. I think. Is that oh, right? Oh, is it really? Yeah. I November, I know Halloween. November first.
0: Okay, so yeah, two. It'll be two weeks from tomorrow. Uh huh. Yeah. Because the women's basketball team, it's two weeks from today. Wow. And um, always gets on you, doesn't it? Yeah, but so it's the men's basketball. They'll only have one exhibition. And I, I don't. Sorry, I don't remember who it's against. Washburn. Washburn. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then women's basketball will have two. Fort Hayes State, and then I think Newton is the other one. Okay. Uh, that'll be coming to town. 537-1350 is our number. Let's welcome back Charles from Wamiga. What's up, Charles? Hey, Mitch. Hey. Uh,
2: has the Big 12 done anything about the targeting that was uncalled at the Iowa State-Texas game when Hunter Decker slumbled?
1: Not that I am aware of today. I haven't heard a single thing about it anywhere from the Big 12 today.
2: That's horrendous. I'm sorry. It fit every parameter of targeting, and if you watch it on replay – it was helmet-to-helmet contact to start with because what, yeah. what the helmets skidded off the sides of one another. And I was watching that live, and the officials never reviewed it. You could tell when they went to review, they were just reviewing the fumble. And then when they came back, they said there was that the, that the fumble was confirmed. They never said anything about targeting. And that fit every parameter, helmet-to-helmet. And then, of course, the helmet hit him on hit him. Uh, you know, where the neck and the shoulder joined together uh-huh. and there was a clear launch. Yes. A clear launch. And I realize it's difficult when a player is going down to the ground, but the Texas player led with his helmet clearly. And there was a launch. I don't know how the conference can get around, not overturning this, sus- suspending them for the next game.
1: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting anything to come out today. I think you usually have to give them I mean, getting back into the office on Monday and all of those kind of things. I, I'm sure there's going to be, you know, discussion, uh, probably a film session look, those kind of things. I, I'd like to argue with you, but I, I can't. Uh, um, I, I think what you said is accurate.
2: Well, I think the other thing is, too, if there's not for the contact, I don't think Hunter Decker fumbles that football. I think he he fumbled it because of the targeting because, uh, you know, there wasn't a hit elsewhere on his body, and the the ball doesn't start to slip until the contact's made with the helmet. -helmet.
0: I agree with that, too. It was a close play. It looked like on the first replay that I saw that maybe the ball was starting to slip out right before the hit. But that still doesn't – I'm with you, Charles. I don't think that takes away anything of that should have been called targeting. But there was also never a review from upstairs. They never buzzed down or anything about the potential of targeting. And uh, it, there was also – I saw a replay that I don't think we got during the game. It was straight from the end zone, um, like from the goal post, from the, from the end zone that Texas was protecting. And you could – you could see that there was helmet-to-helmet contact, and we saw in the regular replay anyway that was leading with the helmet. So, yeah, every argument you made, Charles, I completely agree with. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, they they call targeting when someone doesn't necessarily
2: launch. I mean, they call targeting when three of the four criteria are met. In Uh this one, all four are met. Yeah, I mean, it's just now coming on to something that concerns K-State more. Okay. Uh this whole fiasco with the late substitutions by TCU on offense this past Saturday—it uh, was. I understand. Well, no, I don't. TCU took advantage of what was going on late in the game. You know the the whole reason why the defense is given a chance to match substitutions is because what was happening, I don't know, 10 years ago, when Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, uh, when Hal Mumming was at Kentucky, you know, offenses would run plays close to their sidelines and then quickly substitute not give the defense a chance to match up. Correct. And that's why this rule came about. Well, if you saw the first half of the Oklahoma State TCU game, yeah, Oklahoma State was being slow getting guys back on the field. But then the opposite happened. Uh, second down and goal from the eight, I believe in the fourth quarter. TCU let the clock run all the way down to like 15 seconds and then substituted. Yeah. Well, Oklahoma, you, it wasn't Oklahoma State's fault that the clock was about ready to run up. That was TCU's fault. I mean, we see this all the time when somebody like Tech or Oklahoma State goes fast. They'll have their substitutes out there with about 30 seconds to go on the play clock. And the officials stand over the ball for like 15 seconds but so they'll let them snap it. Yeah. Well, if they'd done that with TCU, that's a delay of game. But instead, not only did they say, uh, not call it correctly, you know, which would have been too many men on the field, they said it was offsides to cover themselves. Because you could see they were having a big discussion about what the officials' work. And so that's something I think we've got to watch out for when we play TCU, is that, you know, they're going to try to take advantage of role, that one because when that one happened on second down and goal from the eight, that was up against the TCU sideline. And so they substituted really like knowing that they had the officials on the hook because they had complained about Oklahoma State taking their time. Right. <clears throat> well, on that play, that was all on TCU with late substitution.
1: Are you of the opinion that OSU was so slow that maybe it had an effect on how it was called? or not because it's not I mean,
2: on not on the play i'm talking about on the play okay. i'm talking about they were moving pretty good on that play okay because there was uh, in there the first, was one in that the first i saw half, in the first half oklahoma state was clearly dragging it out yes, i understand correct yes in the first half they were clearly dragging you out yeah but on the big play that mattered that second down and goal from the eight because that changed that from second and goal to the eight to the second second goal from the four right yeah, and that—that's a huge difference. Oh boy,
0: <laughs> and how? I, I guess I guess I'd miss that part of the game. I I I didn't see it. Maybe I flipped back to Tennessee well, and Alabama quarter. in the fourth quarter. Okay. So, yeah. Was was that, that was, uh, one of TCU's two touchdowns in the fourth quarter? Okay. All right. I I don't know if I much reaction because again I I just I didn't see the play and what happened but. Um, if that's one thing we got to watch out for with TCU, well, I, I mean, Coach Kleiman is an expert when it comes to substituting late when you're allowed to on yeah. defense. Yeah, there was an explanation
1: there, and I don't remember whether it was Dean Blandino or what, that I had never heard before. Like, you have like three seconds. Uh, I was never, ever, ever under that impression no. before. It was all based on the center judge ready for play.
2: Now, yeah, I know. Yeah. He said they have three seconds to react. Okay, yeah. I get that. But when they're on the opposite hash mark, if you have three seconds to react, it's going to take, what, five seconds at least for the defensive player to get over to the opposite hash mark? I would think. at least. Yeah. And then, and then what, four, three to four seconds for the player he's replacing to come off if he gets his attention while he's coming on the field?
1: Yeah, and that's, that's I mean, why that's, I questioned what he said. And and I may not be totally accurate. It may have been somebody else, but I thought it was Dean. Um, but but I guess what I'm trying to get at here is I understand your points, uh, and I say say that again. Points slow for Oklahoma State, and then the the fourth quarter deal. Uh, I want to tr- I want to try to ask Coach Kleiman about that tomorrow at the press conference, and maybe get because that's the first time I'd ever heard anything about. They have three seconds to react. I thought it was all based on the center judge making the play ready for play.
0: Well, yeah, they'll, they'll get. I think they'll give the team yeah. the, the the defense. They'll, they'll step over by the the center and hold everything up yeah. and give them three seconds to be like, "All right, you guys gonna sub? No, nope, we're good. All right, I'm gonna back off and we can run yeah. this play." And once they back off, it's go time. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. But we we've seen clearly. I mean, I just say Texas Tech, Oklahoma State when they do their hurry up offense. And they'll they'll substitute right away after a play. Uh huh. You'll see you'll see them. They'll be on the this, the Oklahoma State or Texas Tech substitutes will be on the field with like thirty seconds left on the play clock. Yeah. And that they will stand over the football until like fifteen seconds left. I mean it's it's they I I think what's happened here they they got hurried up on that second down goal because TCU was taking so long Well, that. That's not Oklahoma State's problem. That's not the officials' problem. That's TCU's problem when they make a really light substitution. I mean, you know, I understood their complaints about the first half, but that second down and goal play, that was TCU's fault entirely. And then the officials just simply botched it. I mean, I don't even think that the player coming onto the field actually got lined up. You no, know, I don't think he, he did. didn't about the guy going off. Yeah. He, he, yeah. he had no
0: chance. Yeah. Isn't that another part of the rule as well like the player has to be ready to go and then the the the, the official takes off and lets the play resume or let the, you know, let yeah. the play happen.
2: Yeah, but he, the official took off so quick there was there was no way for on that play that I'm talking about in the fourth quarter. The official took off from the football so quick there was just there was no
1: chance. I think yeah. there were two I mean, defensive players on the line that weren't set. Not even close. So that, yeah, that's was, that's my point. Why is he backing off if they're not set and ready for play?
2: Yeah. Well, like I yeah. say, I understood the warning to Although technically, you're not supposed to uh, bend the rules in game.
1: Right. <laughs> uh,
2: but but that that secondary on goal play, like I say, it was entirely TCU's fault. Hey, about the basketball cats. Yeah. Go ahead. Who are you looking at after uh, Johnson and Noel? as possibly our third scoring option. I, to me, that's sort of the the one key thing that I I don't see right now. At least from what I know, uh, I you know from what, what, what little I've read, I think maybe the the guard from Mississippi State maybe has a, some potential, but of course he didn't play a whole lot. But who do you think could? Yeah, who do yeah. you think could end up being our third scoring option this year?
1: Well, if I'm going to say tonight, I'm going to probably say Naquan Tomlin. Yeah, he's mine as well. Yeah. Um, he he's got a lot of versatility to his game. He's really athletic. He's left-handed. Uh, I I think he could certainly be a guy. Now ask me next week again when I have a little bit more of a chance to see Desi. <laughs> uh, be, and but but I also would would say, you know, you could see maybe Tyke Green being a little bit of a scoring option too. Um, but but Naquan would be my choice today for sure.
2: Okay, thanks, guys. Thanks for all the time. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks,
0: Charles. All right, that's Charles from Amigo. Appreciate him calling in. Um, I, again, I, I just I didn't see that TCU Oklahoma State substitution. Oh, I was watching to, it all.
1: I was hanging on all of it, huh. and, that, and and he makes a really good point. OSU was really slow in the first half. I mean, they were trying to, <laughs> or at least from my perspective, they were trying to make it as slow as humanly possible. And I, I'm, I'm not sure you know, what changed, and, and as I said before, I don't know. I need to I need to go do a little research on this because I, I feel like I'm missing something that I should have known that I don't in terms of – because I had never – when Dean Blandino said that, I, I jumped up and I remember saying, what? For- it, you know how you do because, I, I mean, it's like to me it was always, in my mind's eye, it was always based on the center judge being ready for play mm-hmm. And then backing out of there, which – which he, and he's supposed to have everybody set before he starts to back out.
0: At least that's the way I understood. Well, and with that rule, if it's like what Oklahoma did, you got 20 seconds before the play clock expires yeah. and you're looking to sub on a pretty key fourth down. Yeah. Uh, it, just from hearing Coach Kleiman talk about it, it feels like you're allowed to take as long as you want. Yeah. As long as somebody is running on the field, it doesn't matter if they're going fast or they're slug. I know a slug. This,
1: this is a bad example. But when we go to Big 12 media days in Dallas every summer, there is a specific uh, probably maybe 45 minutes where the lead guy who oversees all of the officiating in the Big 12 comes in and does a little session with the media saying, these are the changes for this year. This is what we're watching. This is all of the changes, all of the whatever. One of the things that they they talk about every year is that they are now strict. This has happened two or three years in a row. We are strictly going to enforce that the pants go down past the knees.
0: I saw a kicker that was wearing shorts Saturday shorter than the shorts you wear. I saw a linebacker <laughs> during one of the games that had basically no knee pad. And it was, yeah, it was like, you know... They were cut off, yeah, above the knee, yeah. yeah.
1: I I guess I'm, I'm telling you that story to say that's why I think it's really hard being an official. I get it. But if we're going to enforce rules, let's enforce the rules. To me, they're not enforcing that. And there's clearly needing... Maybe I'll give a better example here. If on the targeting in that game if the if the booth replay isn't ringing
0: down to the official, yeah, why not? I thought I agreed with Charles. I, why not? And I kind of had forgot about that, yeah. even though that was a pretty big thing to forget about, yeah, um because you know, Iowa State, well, shame on of course, of uh, Xavier Hutchinson for, for dropping that long pass, but uh, which is a thing you don't expect him to make a mistake on, right. But they were they still had the ball and trying to pick up that first down was Hunter Deckers, and he just gets creamed from front and back. That one hit from the front should have been called targeting, and they. Robert Griffin the Third was trying to stick up for it. He even mentioned if that if that's not targeting, I don't know what is. And then he kind of backed away because nothing was happening. So I'm right. sure he just didn't want to look like the guy that didn't know what he was talking about. I think he was right. Well, I, I think in retrospect he probably was.
1: I, you know, when I, you, you always think you see it right, and and some that's why replay is probably here. When I watched it live, I thought it was from the sides and, and it didn't look that obvious to me on first look live. But the I went back and watched it again this afternoon before I came here and <laughs> looking at it multiple times, I'm just I'm just gonna say this. I'm surprised they didn't look at it yeah. at all. I mean, how do you do that? At that I mean the 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 situation with the game at hand should dictate you look at it. Period in the yeah. story, but if it's seventy to seven in the fourth quarter, and you think it's egregious targeting, then
0: you better be looking at it. I don't care. I don't know. You, I don't understand why they didn't. Even if he had a, a, a few moments to look at the replay, I'm still buzzing down just to make sure we got it Absolutely. right. Absolutely, because that's that. That is a make that's or why break they're moment. there, moment.
1: They're there to get it right. Yeah,
0: yeah. Take your time and look at it. Yeah. I mean, take as much time as you want because that, that determined the game pretty much, uh, potentially. All right, when we come back, we'll talk about the T.C. Horn Frogs in this matchup against a couple of top 20 teams in Fort Worth up next on Wildcat Insider. A reminder, it was announced today by the Big 12 that K-State, Oklahoma State at the bill a week from Saturday has been placed on a six-day selection, so we will not find out kickoff time and television spot until uh, Sunday. Maybe an outside chance of Saturday night. Oh yeah, Saturday yeah. night too. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Could
1: also be Sunday morning, but it'll be either Saturday night or Sunday morning, and then we'll know. That could be a really big football game.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's probably it, it, going to be either way. Well, the way I feel about the Big Twelve standings is, I, I, I think K State in a way has caught a break. Of course, the three and oh and they've definitely earned that. There's, a, you know, not taking away that, but actually, this is a good thing. I'm not taking away anything from. Just the people that have already played, or the teams that have played four games in the conference, and nobody, nobody's four and zero. So, K State not only is undefeated in conference play, they also have a little bit of a buffer, a little bit of a one-game lead on those that have played already four games. And you, the best is three and one, and that's what Texas, and Texas, Oklahoma, KU, and is it West Virginia. Those yeah. two that have played uh, four conference games so far. I you got think. TCU and K State are both three and zero, right?
1: Then Texas is three and one. Okay, Oklahoma State two and one. Everybody else has two losses or more.
0: There you go. Yeah. So I mean, first thing to mention here: if K State does not pull it off in Fort Worth, it's not the end of the world. We're Still in an excellent spot. And I said this last week, where I feel like you know the way things are kind of shaping out with the Big Twelve and who's who has a chance to make it to Arlington, who probably doesn't at this point. Uh, look at KU's home schedule or K State's home schedule compared to the road schedule. I'm liking the home games and I'm liking the road games because you still have Baylor and West Virginia on the road. And Mm -hmm. I think those are two you definitely pick out of who's left to play on the road. And then here you have home, Oklahoma State, Texas, and Kansas. You would want those games to be at home. And that's the way it's working out. So I like, I like how this has worked out so far, but if K-State were to win this game, I got to assume this is going to skyrocket, in a way, k State stock, um, especially now that Tulane is a top-25 team and they're probably going to continue to win. They have proven themselves to – you know, the one game they lost, they did not have their starting quarterback. I think they had to go with a, th- a third-string guy. They did. And that's been considered, in from in what I can tell. And now they're 25th in the country <clears throat> after yep. a couple more wins, including an OT win against Houston. So that helps. That definitely helps. It makes you look better. It certainly does because for a while it did not look good. Um, TCU is going to be tough, man. You go from two weeks ago playing the best defense in the conference, and now I got—I I got to say—you're probably placing the best. You're playing the best offense in the Big Twelve in TCU, who's scoring the most points. They're averaging forty-six a game, and K-State's averaging twenty-nine a game. They are the second-best rushing team in the conference. They're the third-best passing team in the conference. And yardage, they're the best. Total offense, they are the best offense in the country by about 40 yards over Texas Tech, who had been slinging it there for a while. Yeah, They've been impressive. There's no doubt about that. I
1: think everyone points to the improvement of Duggan, and that certainly makes sense. The improved running game and passing game makes a lot of sense. The one thing that doesn't get mentioned a whole heck of a lot is the improvement in the offensive line. They have a lot of returning guys there, but also their starting center is an SMU transfer who's played in 51 career games now. His name is Ilan Ali, and he is a good football player. He has really helped. And then you get guys like Quentin Johnston, and you get... Darius Davis and Tay Barber, they've got some guys that can go catch it, too. So it's a well-rounded offensive football team. I think people still wonder a little bit about how good are they really defensively, but they've also had some help there. Um, And and like K-State, some of it uh, coming from the transfer portal. Let, Let me give you an example. One of their starting linebackers is Johnny Hodges, who spent three years at Navy, and, and has done a really good job.
0: He's also uh, a quarterback killer. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: He's knocked a couple out of
1: games. Yes, he has. Um, they've gotten a big shot in the arm out of Josh Newton, a starting corner from Louisiana Monroe. Mark Perry, their starting strong safety from the University of Colorado. So there are some guys there that, um, I mean, that's, that's kind of like K-State with the three guys in the back in there. I mean, isn't it? I mean, it's, yeah. it's 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 really. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I I to be honest with you, where would K State be without Josh Hayes, Drake Cheatham, and Kobe Savage? Those guys have been terrific. Yes, right? they have. Yeah.
0: Yes, they have. Really good. Um, you you mentioned there Max is who stands out to me because of his passing numbers. I think TCU just all around has been a much better passing offense than they have really since Max Duggan has become the quarterback. I mean, he is nearly 1,600 yards through six games, Mm -hmm. and his best year as a throwing quarterback has been just 77 yards over 2,000. He is on pace right now to have a year that's probably 1,400 yards better than he's had previously in throwing the football. So what K-State has to be ready for, and of course they're prepping for it, they know it's going to be a big deal is having to deal with a truly balanced offense. Because not only do they throw it well, they run it well with Kendrick Miller.
1: Here's what Duggan has done last three games. OSU, he goes 23 of 40, 286 yards, two touchdowns, rushes for 57 yards and a score. At KU, 308 yards, three touchdowns, rush for 55 and a score. Oklahoma throws for 302. And three touchdowns, and then runs for 116 and two more. So uh, yeah, he's been pretty legit.
0: Now I know TCU has um, their their playmakers defensively. You mentioned Hodges, and you know he was the one that uh, well, he was called for targeting right against Dylan Gabriel. That vicious hit. That oh, was that him. was Jamoy Hodge. Or Jamoy Hodge. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, they yeah, have Hodges wanna... and Hodge. H- okay, Hodges <laughs> and Hodge. Yeah. Okay, so okay, so two different players. But yeah. I believe it was Hodges, right, who tackled Jalen Daniels, and Daniels landed wrong, and yep. he got knocked out of the game. I mean, he, he he's. It I felt like watching TCU play. He was in on just about everything. Yeah, like he's all over the place. Um, but they do give up yardage and they give up some points. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you look at them defensively, and that that's why I say, I mean, offensively, you kind of think you have a pretty good feel, but defensively, I mean, they are giving up 400 yards a game on average, 31 points a game in conference play. That's thats a relatively high number, um, and in conference, they've played Oklahoma, Kansas, and Oklahoma State, so it's that's a mixture, I would say, and, and probably... You know, an Oklahoma team that struggled but did find a way to win. And, you know, KU and Oklahoma State have been been okay. been the last It's been a tough couple of weeks for KU, but part of that is injury-driven. Yeah. You know, I heard a guy talk about this today. They've lost three significant players in, in the last three games, Highshaw and Daniels, and then um, Kobe Bryant, their really good corner, was injured um, on Saturday and looks like he'll be out for at least – Sometime for sure. That was another issue yeah. in
0: the Big Twelve that people threw a fit about. That was Kobe Bryant, where it looked like he s- snapped something on his leg, and he's having to hop off the field, literally, like he was hopping on one leg trying to get to the cart. And everybody was really upset about that. Well, that cart looked really cool, to. but it was awful for what it's
1: supposed to be used for. I mean, that. I mean, why wouldn't you have yeah. a flatbed there? To, I
0: mean, exactly. That was crazy. If I would have, if yeah. I broke my leg or broke my ankle. I don't want to be back on my feet yeah. until I get to the hospital, and I and I got crutches and I'm ready to leave. Yeah, you know that. Yes, I I agree. KU fans, I thought that was very ridiculous how that was handled by both KU staff, but also very much so Oklahoma because they were hosting uh, the Kansas Jayhawks. But um, yeah, I mean this is tough. I mean TCU eighth ranked team in the country, new coach, but also with Lincoln Riley's brother. I mean the Sonny Dykes and that combination, you. Offensively, it's not a big shocker that they're improved, but they are very much improved. I feel like from last year, and plus just Kendry Miller, who was filled in as a now number one guy about what midway through last year. I think by the time K State had them show up on the schedule, he was he was the guy.
1: Yeah, he he was certainly in the mix. They used a couple of different guys, but he you know this is a guy that is averaging six point four yards a carry. He, there are some guys doing that in college football, but the list is not overly long. It's hard to average six and a half yards a carry. And he was at six point nine before Saturday's game. So he went down a little bit. Um, he and he's 220 pounds, six foot two twenty. He's he's good size, runs hard.
0: Good this, player. Great test, a great test for K-State's defense um and offensively, you know, K-State's offense. I, I, I've I've said this before. I don't. I, I think the Big Twelve has nine pretty solid run defenses. The other one is not great, and that's Texas or um, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, I think, is the one that's just not good at stopping the run. Everybody else is pretty decent, and so I you know I I've said it last week as well. I mentioned this that uh, I'll bring it up to you again because I think we touched on it last week about somehow finding a way to get DJ Giddens mixed in just a little bit more. Throw a different look at this, you know, especially in a game like this, on how big it is to set a tone for the rest of the year. Because if you pick up that one, I mean, that's gigantic. Oh, sure. Gigantic if you get it done. This is maybe the time to throw a big wrinkle in the offense, something that TCU had, has not seen on film yet. And that's maybe, you know, maybe having a deuce and DJ on the field at the same time, or just letting DJ running a little bit more. And I would love to see DJ get a couple more carries. I think he's running it very well. Well, he re- really was good at Ames, especially when
1: very much needed when Deuce had to go out. And that's what those number twos are for. I mean, we've seen that with Dawson Del Forge. We've seen that with Brendan Mott. I mean, you could go to almost any position, really, to be honest, and and see somebody filling in and doing good quality work. The, the other day when, when – uh, um, KT got poked in the eye. What happened? You move BB out to left tackle. Dell Forge in it, at left guard. Hardly noticed, or at least we hardly noticed. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: I hardly noticed. <laughs> you, you I was trying to watch as closely I mean, as I could. But. So
1: that's that's why you talk. You hear coaches talk about developing depth, and you know, had K State not had DJ
0: when when Deuce went out there for a little while, who knows how the thing turns out? I'm not going to lie. When it comes to any kind of Offensive line rotation—I missed quite a bit of it. Uh, let's squeeze in another question before we take our last break of the show. Steve from Manhattan, according to Travion, has a question. Go ahead, Steve.
2: Hey Mitch, I—I I caught a little bit of. I think it was a two A high school here in Kansas. That Friday night, the score was ninety four to nothing, and I was just wondering, like, when do the coaches, you know, meet? in the second half and go, hey, you wanna just call the game or and another quick deal, uh I think last Friday, dude I'm totally with you, uh, with slaughter fly to the angels. <laughs> I
0: forgot about that. Uh, we were talking about and, and Steve thanks for the question questions okay. or uh, comments. Uh I we were talking about uh our favorite rock ballads. Oh, and I mentioned Fly to the Angels." It's an early '90s one, and also one by uh, Scorpions. Uh, but uh, no, I did not hear about that score in two a. Uh, I was a little too much focused on the big score that Manhattan had this past Friday against Lansing, sixty-five nothing. Which, by the way, kind of a big one at, at Bishop Stadium on Friday against number three Wichita Northwest. Oh, sure. Before uh, the playoffs start on uh, a week from Friday.
1: I, I guess I will just say this about the '98 nothing or whatever Mm -hmm.
0: that is a really
1: hard and and fine line that you're walking there because you have and 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 this happens more times than we like but you have a very dominant team and an undermanned team it gets out of hand very quickly they've tried to make it better with the running clock but still even a running clock you know 12 minute
0: quarters that's a lot of football well and i mean an eight man if it's you know a (laughs) blowout at halftime they call it you know that kind of thing Excuse me, and I know you know with six a, and I think it's really for all the classes yeah. uh, that don't you know as long as it's not eight man or six man, they'll you know running clock if it's forty five to nothing in the second half. You know Manhattan has done that now three times, I think, yeah. uh, with running clocks. Um, so so there's not a perfect answer no. to shutting
1: it down. I, I mean, other than just well, calling it at halftime, and yeah. you, and you don't. I mean, are are you penalizing a good team for that? Um, or are you helping well, – you know what I'm saying? So there's, there's – it's, it's difficult.
0: And, like, on, and on to, for Manhattan, the way they can benefit off that, even though they're just demolishing some teams, you know, it's also an opportunity for the JV to get in there. Sure. And they've played super well for Manhattan this year uh, when they get in the game. And also, you know, also, I guess, for Lansing's sake, I guess, who are played a backup quarterback this past Friday, you know, they could – have their backup now play against a lesser defense, but also maybe find some success. I don't know. I just, you know I don't have a good answer for you, I guess. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: there's there probably isn't necessarily a great answer to it because again, you're you're so mismatched. You don't you, you want to try to get the thing over with as quickly as possible, but you can't just shut it all down, or at least that's the way the Kansas State High School Activities Association has looked at it up up to this point. So we'll see.
0: All right. When we come back, we'll finish up the show with a little look at uh, Week t- Seven in the Big Twelve. Do I have that right? There's a week. Yeah, Week Seven. Week, week Eight coming up. Is right? it Week Eight? Yeah. Weeks Eight. Yeah. Excuse me. In the Big Twelve coming up. Uh, plus, uh, meet the Wildcats' question for Wyatt when we wrap up next. All right, Big Twelve Week Eight. We've taught K State. We've taught TCU. That's number seventeen at number eight, and that is this Saturday, guys. By week is over. We're back to work. Seven o'clock for the kick. It's televised on FS One because they're gonna put uh, they're gonna put the Padres and um, Phillies yep. on Fox that night, and then uh, that means Power K Game Day will start at three in the afternoon with uh, Cole Manbeck, Derek Young, and myself. Three other matchups in the conference all played on Saturday, and it looks like who? Let's see. I uh, Oklahoma is off, and who else? I'm I'm the worst. Uh, Iowa State. Iowa State. Oklahoma off this Saturday. Kansas at Baylor. All of a sudden, an interesting game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Because Baylor just lost at West Virginia. Wasn't able to watch that game because I was hosting trivia at a bar here in town. How'd it go? Uh, very, I thought it went pretty well. Good. Maybe a little bit hard at times. Uh, people, I got booed at one time uh, because I asked the question. I, I, had a, I had a category of college football stadium nicknames. Okay. And I knew I had slightly a college football fan base there maybe, but uh, I asked about you know, what stadium is the greatest setting in college football. Now, do you know that one? The greatest setting in college football. The greatest setting in college football. This is
1: your opinion or whose opinion? No,
0: this is a this is a real nickname for a college football stadium, FBS, Power Five. Huh. So you're you're looking for the nickname of the stadium? No, I I give you the nickname. You got to tell me who plays there. So the greatest setting in college football. Yeah, you don't know well, either. Maybe well, that was I guess, hard. I guess I, I don't know. I got booed. I got. I deserved it. It was too hard. Washington. What? Because they had the lake right there, and then, if like if you're, okay, you're facing the W. And over to your right is the lake. Over to your left is mountains. Okay. So. And that makes it tougher. That's the setting. No, it's just it's just, just the, the name, the greatest setting in college football. What else was there? Oh, the grand, the grand old lady.
1: I'm failing here. No wonder you got booed, dude. I was
0: going (laughs) to say. USC. USC USC. because UCLA, at the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy, grand old lady. Sure. Uh, Let's see. The Swamp, there's two of them. There's two swamps. Florida and don't know that I know the other one. You've called a game there. Uh, Mississippi State? Nope. Uh, Louisiana. Lafayette. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Swamp. Yeah. That's a nickname. Let's see. What else did I have? Gee, I've done a lot of interviews today. My brain is fried. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, gosh, uh, oh, I mean the house that Rockney built. That's I think that's a yeah, somewhat easy one. Sure. Well, oh gosh, I can't remember the last one, but uh, huh? It went very only well you, after though, that. Would, only you though would get booed at a at a. At a event well, I got like booed that. after the Washington one. <laughs> after that, it was great. The airway was having fun. I was like, geez, I didn't should have dumbed it down for you folks. Sorry, I'm smarter than everybody. <laughs> All right, um, yes, KU and Baylor, it, it's a bit weird uh, because Blake Shapin is – I mean, you feel like he plays well and then he doesn't, and then it's like, okay, which Blake Shapin are we going to get this week? But Kansas probably – well, I would imagine without Jalen Daniels, not sure he's week to week. Who knows how long he's out. Um, I think and, they're probably every bit as concerned without Bryant uh, going against that yeah. team too because he's
1: – it's just – I don't care who you are, it's, it's, it's hard when you lose your best corner.
0: Well, at e- that level. <laughs> especially when you don't really have much of a defense. At least he's yeah. been decent. Yeah. 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 He's been a good playmaker for him. That's, that's a big loss. West Virginia Tech, 2 o'clock on, uh, on FS1. Texas Tech will go as a seven-point favorite. I would definitely – I think I would definitely take Texas Tech. I think you do because they're so – they're a different
1: animal in Lubbock like most teams are at home. And
0: and I think they're really, really well
1: coached. Uh, Joey's got them playing very hard. Um uh, I, I think to me, whether West Virginia competes or not is is twofold. One, how do they defend the run? And B, maybe even more importantly, can they run against Baylor
0: some? They're going to have to if they have a shot. And then uh, the last one is a 2.30 on ABC. And then the Cats are the, uh, the lone team. Really the only good matchup in the night slot uh, this Saturday is K-State TCU. But Texas and Oklahoma State, 20 at 11. Um, if you're hoping for any chance at – College game day comes to Manhattan for a K-State-Oklahoma State. You want the Pokes to win. I'll be rooting for the Pokes just because I want to keep Texas and OU away from Arlington as much as possible.
1: Yeah, I I can certainly understand that. I think every K-State fan would probably be somewhat similar in, in those feelings. This is an interesting game for me because you have OSU, who doesn't lose often, coming off a loss. You have a Texas team that was okay in their home victory against Iowa State. OSU, a very difficult place to play in Stillwater. Um, I think Texas can give them a game. I do. Don't know
0: that they'll beat them, but I think this will be one of the better games to watch in the league this weekend. All right, that's the Big 12 slate for Saturday. I forgot where we left off on Meet the Wildcats, but did I ask you last week your dream vacation? No. No. Okay, that's where we're next on the list here.
1: Okay. Next on the list, dream vacation. I got to be careful. If, if my wife's listening, I got to be careful what I say here, don't I? Because <laughs> it would be easy to say, I would love to go to the Masters and be there from, from <laughs> yeah. Tuesday or Wednesday through Sunday, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Who, who wouldn't want to do yeah, that? That's true. Yeah. I'm not a golf fan. I'd love to. Yeah. But on the other hand, she's not exactly somebody that wants to take some big, you know, 10 day cruise either. Okay, so I don't know that there's an easy answer is what I'm saying here. We probably knowing the way we we do things, probably somewhere that's you'd say neither has been, which will be tough because we've both traveled a lot, but somewhere where we can do a lot of different things, shopping, ball games, those kind of things. Where would that be exactly? I'd have to give that some thought. Paris. I, I don't have a maybe.
0: Yeah, maybe. Cuz you could get soccer. Yeah. You could get shop. I mean, Paris is very popular for shopping. Uh-huh. Uh I've never been, but I've had relatives that have been many times and this is what they tell me. Yeah. Um Yeah. You know, that would be an easy
1: one for a lot of people, but <laughs> it's harder for us just because of the the dynamics, okay? Um and and you know this, I travel a lot with my job. Um and it's just odd, it, you know she might be one of the few people I know that doesn't really like the cruise thing. A mm-hmm. lot of, my sister, I have a sister that would go on any cruise any cruise anywhere.
0: I've never done the cruise thing you have not I'll try it for sure. You will try it. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, do you remember the uh, first vacation you ever took? like do, did you ever take one as a kid? Oh,
1: sure, but it was always go seeing family. It wasn't mm. like going to. Disneyland or Wally World, (laughs) you know Wally World,
0: you know those kind of things. This it was more about family for us. (laughs) All right, well that's going to do it for Wildcat Insider. White appreciate it. Thanks for coming by. Enjoyed it. For Travion Brooklyn, the voice of the Wildcats. wyatt Thompson. Make sure to listen to the Chris Kleiman show this Wednesday at seven o'clock with White hosting, of course, and of course the game from four to six tomorrow right here on KMAN. Again for Travion White, I'm Mitch. Go Cats.
1: you closer to the locker room than anyone else this is wildcat insider wildcat insider an exclusive presentation of the
2: flagship station of the k-state sports network news radio 1350 kman